imagine you have to you know get your support system from scratch that is so important because without it it's impossible to do anything it'd be very difficult to integrate or to learn things as an adult uh, immigrant hello clever hybrid tribe and we're back for season six episode three with tonight mesfin pichigallo I'm really looking forward to talking to you because this is a book that I need at this point in my life. I've been living in Germany for about three years. And after a while, you just get kind of stuck. So I appreciate you taking the time to write this book. Before we jump into your life story, I just want to go into the definitions a little bit here. Sometimes when people talk about integration, they actually mean assimilation or blending in forgetting your roots and just becoming Americanized or Germanized or whatever it is. Now you, you get to keep a little part of you, which I, I like that aspect, but there's still a bit of an identity crisis, especially we don't have any kids yet, but especially for people who are from somewhere else and then they have kids in the new place, it's a lot of culture clashes happen. And you actually grew up with this and I, moving to the U.S. wasn't your first time being an immigrant. Your parents actually, after... Eritrea did the referendum and became its own country, they decided to move back. Even though you looked like everybody else, it was a very much a culture shock. So how did that go? Um, well, not so well. <laughs> Everything was so quick for me because at that point they decided to tell me also I am not Ethiopian. Even though I was born and grew up there. And the reason for that is not because my parents were horrible people, but because it was not safe for them to tell me. If somehow they told me and I was careless and talked about it, they would end up, you know, in jail. I didn't even give it a chance. Everything was wrong. <laughs> everything. Everything that I saw did not make sense to me. And I actually perceived that to be the truth. Okay, this is my life now. I'm miserable and I don't know what to do. I started making friends kids like me, I was not a kid, like a teenager, who came to Eritrea the way I did. Apparently, there were many parents that felt like they needed to move back to Eritrea. We can wallow in our misery, can talk about the challenges, and we can make the local kids wrong. That was my experience. You know, the shock, it lasted about five years. I was resisting every urge <laughs> not to be part of the culture. I was lucky that I could understand, you know, Tigrinya because my mom continued to talk to us in Tigrinya at home. I didn't speak perfectly. I had an accent, but I, I did understand. But some of my friends could not even understand a word. They had to learn the language from scratch. So that was really, really difficult. <laughs> but then again, I started making friends with the local kids at school, and some of them I actually still maintain. Some of them are still my best friends and people I really, really like and connect with and have deep, you know, meaningful relationship with. So what a turnaround, right? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to be my next question. After five years of like, I hate this. You all are weird. What changed your mind? In the end, it's just like being in proximity with the country. It just kind of happens naturally. And then you also mature from teenager to, you know, being an adult. But also there are uh, moments that you cannot avoid the locals. 
at all so because we are in the same classroom and then you would get to know them without really being close to them somehow connections were made and you know slowly developed to to be friendships hey that's nice yeah now there's a term <laughs> for ethiopians that are of Eritrean descent in other Eritreans that were born and raised in Eritrea, they call them Amiche. So do yes. you consider that a derogatory term or have you gotten used to it? What do you think about that term? I hated it. That was also part of the problem in the beginning. They would just, anybody could come from anywhere and say, Amiche, you know, without any conversation. And it's like, oh, why, why are you saying that? Afterwards, you know, after you mature and then you're like, you realize why they are saying that. And even nowadays, if I have an interview with Tigrinya audience or whatever, I say, hey, I'm a Michae. If you detect an accent, that's why. And then I joke about it. It doesn't bother me anymore. Yeah, I can imagine. It's similar to with African-Americans or even Asian-Americans. African-Americans that sound white, they call us Oreos. And Asians that sound white, they call them bananas. And you're like, really? <laughs> so people just judge what they don't understand. So I have to rethink my use of that term now. I learned in English. I graduated from university in English. I taught English as a second language in China for two years. I was very confident, but the problem was I couldn't understand the people. I'm like, what is that English? One of my friends, luckily, was here. She came about a year and a half prior, just by pure luck, in the same city. And I used to tell her, oh, my God, please tell me what they're saying, because I couldn't understand. They talk fast, too fast. They eat fast. They talk fast. They, it felt like the energy was... Like people are like a go-go personality. And I'm like, oh my God, where's everybody going? <laughs> Where are they going? And then you have no choice but to kind of jump and then just follow. And then you're like, where are we going? <laughs> kind of feeling. And it was so weird. On the positive side, this was my first experience where I saw a black person and then a white person and then an Asian and then a, on, the, on the street. On the same day, the same minute, literally, I really felt like maybe I died and went to heaven because, I mean, in Eritrea, my experience was all similar people. Maybe it was some of us have fair skin, some of us darker skin. Ethiopia, the same thing. When you go to China, you see mostly only Chinese. Of course, I was an expat there, so I would meet with the expats, but it's, it's a, you know, you just planet and you meet but it's not like the u.s and i that's the beauty of the u.s which i still enjoy is the diversity but my eyes are like because i've never seen it <laughs> i only know it as an idea as a good idea and that's what heaven looks like and i used to say oh my god i love it it's beautiful <laughs> everybody getting here along and then you know <laughs> Yeah, it's amazing. There there are still some places that are very monocultural, but what city are you in in California? Well, I lived in San Jose, Silicon Valley for 10 years, and now I live in Livermore, uh, which is about 45 minutes from Silicon Valley. 
But I never left California since I came here because of the diversity and everything that I love to see. Yeah. Well, you don't really need to because California is about as big as Japan in terms of size. Right. <laughs> right. And when we're talking about the cities here, I give you the listeners an idea of the diversity. In San Diego alone, just that city, there are over 70 or 80 languages spoken in just that city. But it's not all rainbows and unicorns. There are people who are very welcoming and very helpful. And other people are like, another one. So sometimes it's people you wouldn't expect. It's, it's other people of of your background or your culture, they're like, oh, more, more of me where I yeah. was. I don't feel like dealing with those people. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. There's a thing yeah. that I hear a lot in the media of black versus African. So for right. me, it, it feels like the same thing. But sometimes African-Americans don't like Africans and vice versa. Why do you think that is, number one, and how do you think we can fix that? Let me take you back. Like, for example, in China, where you see all day long Chinese, for the eyes, when you see a black person, it feels like you went home. It's not being racist or anything. You're like, oh, my God, I saw somebody who looks like me, right? And then the other person feels the same way. And then you're like, oh, my God, which country are you from? And then all of a sudden, you're friends. But coming to the U.S., doing the same thing. Oh, I see black people. And then you're like trying to connect. There is no, not that connection there. And I, 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 I realized that early on. I just continue to try. And then I, I continue to educate myself because in order to understand others, you have to understand what the, where they come from, what what their histories are or how they perceive life because it's completely different from mine and from other cultures also. So I continue to learn. I'm actually proud to say I have one or two friends now. We keep nurturing that friendship. It took many, many years and it's still in the process, but people judge quickly and I'm counting myself. Like, why can't I make friends with these people or whatever? But it's good to understand the background and make an effort and not giving up and then continuing to to understand. Yeah, that's a good method. From my end as an African-American, I think part of the problem is what we're told about each other by the media. So African-Americans, it's changing a little bit now, but African-Americans grow up seeing depictions of Africa as like poverty and famine and drama but that's only one side of the coin then africans grow up seeing african americans in movies as thug life gangsta ghetto but that's also only one side of the coin <laughs> exactly i work as a court interpreter and there was this guy who came to the courthouse he's new and then he was shaken and i'm like okay what happened in his culture or in our culture if something happens to you or somebody is assaulting you or you're scared, it's okay for you to actually run to the closest house and they'll go in there and ask for help. So he was walking and then it was in Oakland, African-Americans walking by. He was scared because of the thing that we were talking about because they shoot and they, they're violent, all these things that we have heard. 
And he ran to this house, and then it so happened to be a house that are not uh, black. <laughs> so imagine you being white, knowing what you know about black people. And this guy opened the door, and they called the police. And I always say, oh my God, thank God they didn't shoot him. It's full of misunderstanding in our head because of the media and things that we see. What we're often told as immigrants, I've been told this, you've been told this, now you're, you've been in the U.S. now for 15 years. Mm -hmm. People often tell you when you first arrive, oh, don't worry, you'll get it, you'll get it, it'll be fine, in five years it'll be fine. And my first question, which you addressed in your book, was get what? Explain it to me. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yes, it's, it, it, it's weird because I still cannot understand which is why I wrote the book because I needed guidance I wanted to know how to navigate life moving from Ethiopia to Eritrea is one thing to China was challenging but it was another thing but coming to the U.S. to actually live here and make a life here you really need to understand what and it's a diverse community like I was telling you for example the way I connect with African Americans and the way I connect to other cultures completely different so not having all the the information is very difficult i don't know why people do this whether they don't understand the whole concept also or they just accepted it the way it is i i'm not sure what the reason is but they kept saying you know you will understand once you get into the system i will understand what <laughs> what's that that i will understand and i i mean i eventually got what they mean you need to learn a lot of stuff. Like I said, I'm very fascinated about culture. It requires a depth of understanding for you to function. Unless you want to live in your own community and then you learn the language just to do enough. And that's life for you. That's okay. For people who actually want to better themselves, right? That's not a good answer because you really have to dive in and understand the culture. How can someone facilitate that process? There's only so much you can Google even. <laughs> yes. For people like us who come from emerging nation, I, I should say, a <laughs> developing nation, they would say, the, the entire concept of the Western world is new. It's completely new and it could be very overwhelming because at the same time you're juggling other stuff like you have to work, you have to find work. And sometimes you could have a doctorate and then it's not recognized right away. So you would be doing something really, really, you would not even do, even considering your dreams. So that could be very disempowering and you're dealing with that. And then you are learning the language, maybe. <laughs> if you spoke good English, you still have to learn. I still am learning English, I say, because language and culture are very intertwined. And until I am perfect in understanding the culture, I will not say I'm perfect in English. I, I will keep learning the social norms you have to learn, the values, because these are very, very vital. If you want to survive and thrive, it's good to go to do your ESL classes and never stop. But sometimes most countries, the way we are raised to be shy, not to ask, or also to show that we know. Sometimes 
to talking to people and they, yeah, 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 I know, but they actually don't know. That's not good for you because you, you really don't learn. That sometimes could be very difficult because the social worker could be someone from different culture, someone who doesn't look like you and how can they understand me? How can you build trust? And some people come from a war-torn country and then you come with trauma. So there, there are so many things that are in the way. You can teach me, but if I am not on the court and playing it, I will not have the, the experience of it. You have to immerse yourself. You have to make different friends. You have to understand they are also human. You cannot understand they are human until you actually get to know the people and then hear their stories. Yeah, and you asked enough questions to create a whole book about this. The book is called You're in America. Now what? <laughs> Seven <laughs> skills to integrate with ease and joy. So just to round out this conversation, from those seven skills, which one would you say is the most important? Uh, building your support system. Imagine you have to get your support system from scratch. That is so important because without it, it's impossible to do anything. It'd be very difficult to integrate or to learn things as an adult immigrant. I would agree with that one too. Without backup, it's much harder. So tonight, this book, everyone is available on Amazon. There's a paperback version and an ebook. Where else can people get in touch with you tonight to maybe interview in another capacity or ask you some questions? Where can they find you online? Anchoring the new you.com. If they go there, uh, I have my website and um, they can fill out a form and reach out to me. Okay. Or, and we can also find you on LinkedIn too. Sanait Mespin Pichigalo. Thank you so much for staying with us to the end. For those of you that are immigrating, I hope this makes your journey a little bit easier. For those of you that are helping, I hope it helps you understand what your friends might be going through. As things keep changing in the 2020s, there's going to be more and more immigrants. So we have to learn how to help each other. So this is the end of season six, episode three. Gabby V for Clever Hybrids, and we'll see you in the next one.